Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of MetaStrategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest today is Atif Rafiq, who I'm pleased to welcome back to the broadcast. Atif is the president of commercial and growth at MGM Resorts International, the third largest provider of live entertainment in the United States, with revenues exceeding $12 billion annually. In this role, Atif is focused on developing new customer experiences, business models, and revenue streams, and he also oversees current revenue streams, including commercial, digital, sales, and marketing. Prior to joining MGM, Atif was the chief digital officer and global CIO of Volvo Cars. And prior to that, he spent time at McDonald's, where he was the first chief digital officer in the Fortune 100. In this interview, we discuss Atif's purview in his role, MGM's expansion into digital services, and Viva La Office, an offering the company has developed to encourage people to work and live from Las Vegas during the pandemic. We also discuss the company's response to COVID-19, including the digital and contactless experiences the company has swiftly put in, how the customer conveniences created by COVID are sticky and will remain long-term, and the company's seven-point safety plan aimed to keep customers and employees safe during the pandemic. We also discuss how COVID has resulted in far more agility inside companies and a variety of other topics. Before we get to our interview, I wanted to introduce you to our sponsor, Zoho, and the company's president, Timothy Casby. Prior to taking on his current role, he was the chief information officer of a number of companies, including Reliance Industries, Sears, Intrexon, and the Warehouse Group. He's now at Zoho, a most unusual enterprise software company, and wanted to share some perspectives from it. Timothy, take it away. Zoho Finance Plus is a unified finance platform. Here, we have bundled seven different apps to align finance processes of most enterprises, starting with invoicing, books, inventory, subscription, expense management, payroll, and checkout, to collect all your payments with out-of-the-box integration with Stripe, PayPal, Wordplay, and many others. Zoho Books provides end-to-end accounting, right from negotiating deals to raising orders to invoicing, It handles all the mundane tasks so you can focus on your business. Invoice your customers for one-time or subscription-based payment plans. Help your employees do their expense management with single touch from mobile device. With multi-currency, multi-bank, multi-country support. Learn more at zoho.com slash finance. Thanks, Timothy. And now on to the interview. Atif Rafiq, welcome back to Technovation. It's great to speak with you again. It's great to join you again, Peter. It's a pleasure. Well, I thought we would begin, Atif, with your current uh, role and responsibilities. You are the president of commercial and growth at MGM Resorts International. Um, talk a bit about what's involved in your purview with that uh, with that set of role that that role and that set of responsibilities. Sure, Peter. Um, well, I've been with MGM Resorts, which is a Fortune 300 company, for a little over a year now, so I'm still new in the role. And um, my, my role is actually newly created. Um, <clears throat> I'll talk a little bit about what, what it encompasses, um, but it's a number of the core functions of the company. So everything from revenue management to marketing and sales to IT, digital, loyalty, as well as sort of being the main person responsible for the, the growth strategy of the company, how we create organic growth uh, from with, within. Um, the role is sort of um, 
interesting in the sense that I'm an outsider to the hotel industry, to the casino industry, et cetera. And the company was really looking for somebody to uh, get familiar with kind of the current, um, uh, you know, strengths of the business and customer base, but also to, to think what it could, you know, what the possibilities could be as we look out into the future and give me enough of a platform to kind of bring it to life. That's great. Thank you for that overview. And talk a bit, if you would, a, a little bit of more than a year ago when you joined, you mentioned this was a new role. What was it about the circumstances in the business that led to the role's creation? Was it an acknowledgement of some sort of perceived shift? Uh, no doubt, of course, it aligned also with the candidate that they found and the set of uh, experiences that you have. But talk a little bit about where the business was uh, a little more than a year ago and, and the, the company's desire to, 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 to um, involve you in that role. Well, I think um, um, being a Fortune 300 company, the company is already successful and number one in its industry, um, but at the same time faces the dynamics of maturity and saturation. And, you know, those aren't negatives. I mean, they just mean that something's worked, but it's kind of worked to, the, to some, some, of, some limit. And then the question is, what's next? And so a lot of the impetus for uh, trying to recruit someone with my profile is really thinking about the next wave of growth for the company. And so, you know, a company is already number one in its industry kind of has two choices. One is to think bigger and have a bigger ambition on what those assets could appeal to in terms of new offerings, new customer groups. And that's what we've chosen to do is to think that our best days are ahead and we want to continue to, to grow. We want to keep what we have, but also grow. Um, of course, there are companies that, that look at it a bit differently and say, look, let's just secure what we have. Let's become more, uh, focus more on the financial management, paying out dividends, doing stock buybacks. And every company needs to do some degree of that. But that in and of itself is not the only way to create value for the shareholders. Talk a little bit, if you would, um, Atif, about the that that thinking bigger. Uh, and I'd be curious, of course, naturally, we're, we're talking in the uh, in the throes of the pandemic and the economic crisis associated with it. I'd be interested in some of those bigger th thoughts uh, that emerged in the, your early time with the organization pre-crisis, and also how some of that thinking has evolved in light of the crisis as well. So um, my hypothesis coming into the company is that uh, while we are a, a kind of an integrated resort, um, we are actually something potentially much bigger. We, I believe we play into the experience economy, which is, is very huge. It's six and a half trillion globally. And it really follows the, the mindset of the consumer away from kind of accumulating possessions and more into how they spend their time, you know, building memories or trying new things or being with other people's company they enjoy. And, and we have so much to offer in that area. So just by way of example, you know, the company is the third largest provider of live entertainment uh, in, in the United States. Obviously, that's on a pause at the moment. Uh, in terms of food and beverage, is the largest non-chain provider of, um, of food and beverage uh, in the country. And when you think about the number of restaurants, especially higher-end Michelin star restaurants, you know, there's a lot of uh, offerings that we have in that area. And so you begin to take entertainment and uh, dining and other really interesting things you can do in a three-day or four-day visit at a resort um, and 
and then think about what does that actually mean in and and in, in today's economy and, and the minds of consumers and to me experience being an experienced economy company was an excellent position to to really anchor MGM resort stores and and we're still obviously going to do that now we need to think a bit differently about um what specific programs we activate um so by way of example um one thing my team has been working on is the 20 to 30 million Americans who are corporate uh in the corporate workforce but kind of working from home and can we create a way for them to work from Vegas so we have a program called Viva La Office where you know you can have a you can essentially work from Las Vegas and blend your work in in your leisure that's a way of thinking about taking the assets we have and appealing to a new customer group if that makes sense it does and what a, what a creative idea that is um i know that uh just from from past conversations and and preparation for this that you've also used this uh this opportunity to accelerate some digital initiatives uh and i wonder if you could take a moment and talk a bit about some of the, the substance of some of those changes well i think first and foremost you know um everyone is familiar with a mobile check-in at a hotel um you know i think las vegas has been a little bit of a laggard on on that front um you know if you look at someone like a hilton or a marriott in terms of their uh, loyalty members they probably have you know 35% usage of of that feature um <clears throat> and in las vegas that wasn't a capability so first uh, we did focus on that and we were working on it anyway um but it was accelerated by 9 months um out of necessity because in a covid world you want to promote as much contactless experience as possible so accelerating the mobile check-in um was was kind of a win for our customers and for our business you know in our case we went a bit further with it cuz it's not just using mobile <clears throat> it's being able to you do that plus being able to print out your keys um at a station on your own without anyone else's needing anyone else to be involved so you have the full option of the digital key plus physical keys and it's all self-service so that that was a pretty uh big win for us um but it didn't end there um one thing we are focused on is avoiding lines and queuing so for everything from our pools to our lounges to restaurants you would you can get in a digital queue um and that makes better use of your time when it's your turn to use that amenity we let you know um so it's more control for the customer and convenience um on top of that we, you know we've taken steps like uh, removing menus you know printed menus from hotel rooms to avoid transmission and spread of virus um if that helps and so we've replaced it with QR codes um so it, QR codes are also available in the restaurants and you scan the QR code and you get the menu. So there's really across the board we kind of surgically uh kind of put in digital experiences. Um we've had a number of them in the works but I I would be um uh, I wouldn't be doing it just if I didn't share Peter that you know the acceleration has been has, has been massive in terms of timeline and focus. Yeah, it's what remarkable transformation to say the least. And Atif, I wonder if you've had a chance to reflect on the changes that have uh come to pass uh as a result of the current situation that are likely to remain even post crisis and once we achieve some sort of new normal whatever form that takes. Um do you have your own hypotheses as to which of these changes are indelible? 
Well, um, anytime you can um, provide customers additional convenience, control, um, you know, that is generally going to get, you know, pretty sticky. So in the case of the mobile check-in or the contactless check-in, as I mentioned before, we didn't have it before we reopened the resorts on June 4th. And on day one, we went to 30% adoption. And, you know, we're sitting here now in, in the middle of the summer and that adoption has, has only risen. So, um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm content with that because I think if you look at the comparable of the Hilton or the Marriott, catching up in, uh, in one day is, is pretty good. So I think um, any of the customer conveniences that we've launched and we're continuing to, to work on additional ones, you know, those will be very, very sticky. Um, and they'll they'll only accelerate because then you can kind of build on top. You know, it's it's a matter of um, you know uh, you can check in, but now you can pick your room, you can check out, um, you can message for some needs that you have around amenities. I mean, we can just sort of build on the uh, the foundation that we put out there already. That makes sense. Um, is there uh, anything that you can share in terms of the outlook you and the executive team have in terms of you know how things are progressing or not, uh, how you're planning for um, whether it's uh, additional issues related to to COVID nineteen or or any kind of outlook as to when you hope the uh, some modicum of normalcy returns? How do you think about those sorts of plans when there are a number of uh, aspects that are outside of your control? Yeah, it's a good point, Peter, because it's really a macro situation outside of the control of one uh, company, no matter how large or industry. And so there's, you know, there's a high degree of dependency. So from, you know, we can get into some conversation around planning and uh, working in a world where a lot of unknowns. Um, I can talk about that in a bit around agility, which I think is a very important lasting theme that will separate sort of the winners uh, from those who don't do as well over the next, you know, five to 10 years. But in general, as we look at the next, you know, six to 12 months, um, you know, we face certain realities. One of those realities is that we have <clears throat> core customers who, you know, they, they have a level of frequency and commitment with us where, um, you know, we need to do a good job, um, but we don't need to necessarily persuade them to, you know, to come back. And so we have a base of business um, and, and that's nice to see. Um, and that, that's helping us, um, you know, certainly at the moment. And then there's, you know, a couple more batches of consumer segments where, you know, convincing is very important and you have some degree of control over it. And that's what we focus on. So as we re reopened, we kind of uh, made a lot of uh, changes in terms of the resort experience. They fall under the rubric of what we call Vegas safely. And it's everything from, you know, occupancy limits that we self-impose to um, installation of hand-washing stations, you know, availability of face masks, sanitizers, putting up plexiglass, um, <clears throat> distancing our spaces, for example, taking out every other seat at a slot machine, digital queuing. We spoke a little bit about that for restaurants and lounges and pools contactless experiences, you know, testing our employees. So we really have to bring the full arsenal and what we call a seven point safety plan to, to make people comfortable and knock on wood, you know, things have been pretty smooth for us. That works for, you know, our, our base customer and, and we need to continue to message around our safety focus in order to, 
encourage um, other uh, segments of customers to kind of come back. And, and I think that's where, where our focus is. Um, but of course, we depend on, on sort of the macro situation and we just need to run a smart business, you know, sort of between now and when, you know, more recovery is happening. Yeah, um, I know a, a, a rallying cry for you and your team, an idea that you, you have championed is the notion of business agility without transformation. And uh, on the face of that, it's, it's, uh, it's a really interesting formulation. I wonder if you can take a moment and, and describe what you mean by that. Sure, Peter. Um, well, it's a topic that is near and dear to my heart because, you know, agility is the defining aspect of, uh, let's say, pure play tech companies, which is really my pedigree. And then I've been sort of an exporter of that to incumbent companies um, as I've, I've come into more traditional companies looking for a catalyst for change. But look, I think there's a lot more agility in every company today than there was, you know, four months ago. And the reason for that is necessity. So business leaders are much closer to customers, to to the day-to-day, to the business. Um, and it's just because in a, in a COVID world, you know, one day is like a week or two. Uh, so the velocity is, you know, is very high. The velocity of issues, new issues, issues that don't have clear answers, it's very, very high. And so leaders uh, by necessity are much closer to the information, to their teams and trying to figure it out, right? And that's at the heart of agility. So I think um, at some level, you know, um, that's already happening. Um, and at the same time, um, you know, the question is, how can we sort of turn this into something that's a lasting sort of way in which companies work and, and actually becomes a strength for companies in terms of how they operate? And that's where I think ahead to business agility, where, you know, companies get more more comfortable um with unknowns, with being learning organizations. And I know that's a little bit of an abstract concept, but, you know, it's what makes Amazon, Amazon, right? And having worked there, I can tell you, well, I think we all can uh, observe that Amazon enters spaces where it kind of has no business, but it figures it out. And then we wonder, wow, how did it really, you know, how did it kick butt? And the reason why it, it does well is because, you know, they really have institutionalized um, a learning culture where they're trying to figure things out. They know what they don't know. They do a good job of filling in some of those unknowns. And then they, they plan and they operate where they're just building momentum and really solving some really great customer problems in a great way. So um, long story short, I think that's the opportunity here for business leaders, you know, and, and large uh, companies is to find a way to make business agility sort of here here to stay for a long time and make that a core way of, of running the companies. Yeah, that's interesting. You alluded to the fact that you, uh, you know, you have a Silicon Valley kind of background or culture, uh, or I should say, you know, tech-centric, tech-centric digital native uh, background. You just mentioned a company that's a Washington State company, not a Silicon Valley company, but you've been a co-founder of a, of a technology uh, organization. You've worked for such... Uh, you know, leading uh, tech companies as AOL and Yahoo, in addition to Amazon, which you mentioned. Uh, you were also the CDO at McDonald's, and you and I first met when you were the CDO and Chief Information Officer, uh, that is Chief Digital Officer and Chief Information Officer, Officer at Volvo. 
uh, prior to your current role, which we've discussed earlier. Talk a little bit about the thread uh, that you, at least in retrospect, as you look across your experiences, the thread that you've pulled uh, along the way and the way in which it has, uh, you know, sort of fostered your ability to continue to grow your, even now with, in, in massive organizations with the likes of a McDonald's, a Volvo, um, a, an MGM, uh, additional growing sets of responsibilities. Talk a little bit about that, that sort of evolution. Well, um, I guess for better or worse, you know, I've always been attracted to, um, you know, what's coming next. And so I made a very fundamental decision in 1996 that, you know, the internet was, you know, what, you know, sort of my, my passion area. And I jumped into the consumer internet in, in 1996. I started working on mobile apps in 1999 with a company that Amazon now owns, but at the time was very innovative. And I started a company that was essentially a cloud company in 2001. So I've always been sort of fishing for what's next. And, um, you know, it was around 2013, Mark Andreessen coined the phrase software is in the world. And I was just lucky enough to be one of the first people to actually try and make that, you know, bring that to life um, as, you know, the first or second chief digital officer in the Fortune 100, 500, that kind of thing. And that's the role I held at McDonald's. So where I've been focused, you know, in the last um, number of years, greater part of this decade is, you know, what does it all mean to incumbents? And, um, and the implications are pretty massive because uh, for incumbents, it means we're, uh, living in a world where Silicon Valley really defines a lot, not only the offerings, but the mindset, the culture, how a leader leads, um, you know, those are all very necessary ingredients to uh, create a company that's going to be around for the next 20, 30 years. And that's really what incumbents are looking for. So, you know, I've learned a lot in the process. If I had stayed, you know, with the Amazons or the Googles or Ubers of the world, you know, that would be more familiar for me. Um, certainly, a, um, I could learn a lot there as well. But I think what I've learned that's different is um, trying to bring it all together because, you know, it's uh, I, I don't believe you just look at a, a company that's been around for 100 years, you say, oh, they don't get it. You know, they're a dinosaur. They're going to be disruptive and, you know, Amazon will eat their lunch. I mean, that, of course, happens, but um, it only happens if, um, you know, if, well, it doesn't need to happen if you can bring together new knowledge with existing knowledge. You know, you can really bring those two things together, and that's what I, I try and do in, in my roles. We, we've talked about a number of rising trends, trends that you're taking advantage of in your current role. For example, I wonder, as you look to the future, what are some additional trends, Atif, that, that particularly excite you? Well, um, I think uh, stepping back, I'll take some inspiration from a young startup that I'm involved with um, and touch a little bit on the team, uh, the theme of sort of social, the social element um, and social justice, actually. So I'm involved with a company called Conbody. Um, it is a digital fitness business started by a formerly incarcerated person. Um, I came across, you know, the founder five or six years ago um, through some nonprofit work. This is a for-profit business, but it's an example of a powerful model where basically it's, uh, it's a, a digital fitness business, which is very popular and the method is really, you know, really powerful. But on top of that, 
um, all of the instructors are formally incarcerated. And so they have a way of um, essentially providing training and onboarding people from the prisons to actually, you know, a livelihood where, you know, they could, you know, do a good job and be part, uh, you know, an instructor in a growing business. And that model is, is something is a, is a reason on top of the, the fitness program, why customers choose it. So it brings together kind of the social, um, what, what I think it really does is it doesn't separate the business from the social element, which is more typical because in a fortune 500, of course you have a CSR committee and, you know, you have your, the business that you do and your product. And then separately you try and figure out how you can, um, you know, be a positive player in society. But in this model, it kind of brings it together. So while that's not possible for every business, I think that's a, a more powerful recipe and where possible, I think that's, that's a trend that will, uh, that will increase. And I take inspiration from, from that example. Well, Ati Rafiq, thank you so much for joining us again on, on Technovation. It's been great to speak with you to learn more about your, your most recent post, uh, your purview, the way in which you're managing through this crisis, some of the innovations and digital transformation acceleration that you fostered. It's been really uh, great to learn from you again. Likewise, Peter. It's always a pleasure being with you. I really appreciate your programming and the opportunity to share some ideas. Thanks for tuning in. Please join me on Thursday when my guest will be Dave Pearson, the Executive Vice President and Chief Information Officer of Sykes.